our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hello, hello. Welcome to 30 and a Bit. My name is Pete, and each episode I try to solve one of the questions you run into after hitting the big 3-0 together with an expert. I did this podcast for a few seasons in Dutch where it came in the top 5% most shared podcast worldwide. That's when I realized we talk about issues not only I run into, but many can identify. So here we are, bringing it to a bigger audience in English. Today's question is, how can I stop emotional eating? Our expert today is clearly very passionate about what she does, and it made it great to chat with her. I learned a lot, and there are some amazing tools in this conversation on, on how to build a healthy relationship with food. I also share what my relationship with food was like while I was a model for nearly a decade and how that's shifted since. Today, you'll learn how to eat mindfully and not put any restrictions on yourself. Let's dive in. The facts and figures of today. 38% of adults say they have overeaten or eaten unhealthy foods in the past month because of stress. Half of these adults, 49%, report engaging in these behaviors weekly or more. 27% of adults say they eat to manage stress. After having overeaten or eaten unhealthy foods, half of the adults, 49%, report feeling disappointed in themselves. 46% report feeling bad about their bodies. Our amazing expert today is Nikki Bennett. Nikki has practiced as a dietitian and nutrition expert for over 10 years through her company, NS Nutrition, where they mainly focus on motivating women to stop dieting, binge eating, and feel in control of their eating. Nikki is 36 years old and lives in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and is married and has two kids. Welcome, Nikki. I'm so happy you're here. Hi, thanks for having me. My very first question always is, um, how are your 30s going so far? They're going good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of just exploring who I am as a person, I guess, and trying to get myself back after becoming a mom and kind of losing my identity to that. But it's, go it's going good. Yeah. Yeah. You felt like you were losing your identity or you have yeah. lost. Yeah. How old are your kids now? nine and five and a half. <laughs> and uh, may I ask what kind of work you're doing to kind of get back to that? Yeah, I just really, when I got, when I lost my identity and kind of got lost in motherhood is because I just kind of went all in and just forgot about me, it felt like. So I just, luckily I have a super supportive husband and I just really take time to do things for me and follow my passions and get back into sports and things like that that I love and try to get rid of that mom guilt that comes with being a mom and doing things for yourself. And I found that was really helpful. 
So the first couple years of you in your 30s were very much focused on motherhood and your children. And the back end will be more on Nikki. Yes. Yeah. Which actually makes me a better mom. You know, like it really does make me a better mom when I'm filling my bucket too. So we're talking about emotionally eating today. Can you tell me what the definition is? It really is when you're turning to food to either suppress or cope or um, distract yourself from any sort of emotional trigger, which in my mind, emotional triggers would be things like stress, anxiety, boredom, sadness, happiness, you know, really anything that isn't true physiological hunger and is more triggered by our thoughts and emotions. And it can happen to both positive and negative emotions. Yeah. And what happens uh, in our brain right before we start eating emotionally and during? I kind of like to go back with this question and talk about why we emotionally eat because lots of times it happens so subconsciously that we don't really know why we're doing it. And so I like to talk about um, the fact that we have literally been trained to use food for emotional comfort or distraction since the day we're born. You know, we like we cry when we're a baby and we're often presented with the bottle or the breast right away as kind of like the first line. Okay, is, are they hungry? Okay, no. No, they the parents move down, which again, nothing wrong. That's just like what happens. And then you know, maybe we're like a toddler and we fall and skin our knee and then our our caregiver is like, "Oh, here, have a cookie. You'll feel better." You know, and then maybe we're an adolescent and we score a goal in soccer and our parents are like, hey, let's celebrate with ice cream, you know, and then you're a teenager and you have a breakup and your friends are like, let's get all the ice cream and stuff and eat our, you know, get happy by eating everything, you know, type of thing. And it just kind of, obviously those are like five really vague examples, but that happens all the time. You know, when you're bored as a teenager, your parents are like, well, just go get something to eat, you know, and we're just taught that. And so when we feel an emotion, because we haven't really been taught really great emotional regulation skills, and we're maybe a little nervous about feeling our emotion or it's uncomfortable, so we look for pleasure through food or to distract ourselves. So it's, it's I don't know if to say like there's a specific thing that happens, but it's almost like this learned behavior, this neural pathway that we've created that when we feel X trigger, which would be whatever emotion, our brain is automatically like, boom food. And so it happens very quickly. I have never looked at it that way, but you're totally right. From the day we were born, food is comfort. Yeah. So with knowing that, is there a certain type of person that is more likely to emotionally eat or do you see lots of different people and it can just happen to anyone? It really happens with anyone and everybody. I think the more emotional regulation skills that were maybe taught as a child, you know, depending on your childhood and you might um, have just had more skills in your back pocket. And so food isn't your number one for every single emotion. And then I have lots of clients who weren't really taught any emotional regulation skills and food is always the number one for most of their emotions. And these people that emotionally eat as an adult, do they, were they generally raised in a family where it was used as a as a comfort, or is it something that can happen later in life when they when something gets triggered or something uh, traumatic happens when they then start overeating, or is it usually something that's been like in the back of someone's mind um, their whole lives? 
Both, actually. I think lots of people, yeah, just are taught it from from such a young age and just they're normal. They don't know any other difference. But then there are people who it does happen later on in life. Just, yeah, stress can be overwhelming, um, trauma, things like that, and they and they turn to food. So it doesn't discriminate. It goes for everybody. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> um, and does it usually go in waves or do people have it as a constant? I would say... I guess it depends on which emotions you're really triggered by. If you're someone who um, is triggered just by kind of all emotions, it can be a constant. But if you're someone that it's really just something you do when you're stressed, then it can come in waves just based on what your life is doing in that moment and how stressed you are. And So if someone is having a really stressful time of their lives or even a very, very happy one, it can um, get a lot worse. Yeah. Or if the other thing too is if they're dieting or like the stage of life they're in, like moms often experience it a lot because they just don't get any me time and they find comfort in food at the end of the day when they can turn the TV on. Um, But also, yeah, if we're dieting or going through a life event where we're not eating enough, then because we're not getting that basic Maslow's hierarchy of needs of we're not getting enough nutrition – then we're easily triggered into emotional eating and things like that. If you are uh, known to be an overeater or an emotional eater, um, how should you go about dieting? So often I always ask people like, what is the reason you want to diet? And most of the time it is because they, they feel out of control around food and maybe you don't really know why you feel that way. Could be you're emotionally eating all the time. It could be that you don't Um, know how to stop eating when you're comfortably full, you have lots of cravings, there's so many layers to it. But essentially, most of the time people are overeating. And so they feel like they need to diet to stop that. But unfortunately, Mm -hmm. food rules and restriction and deprivation and scarcity trigger us to eventually eat more once we kind of are tired of dieting and and our brain, brain and body rebel against it. So I always say, you're if you're wanting to diet because you feel like you're eating too much let's figure out the root cause like if it's emotional eating being able to unlearn those pathways and create new neural pathways with emotional coping skills so you're not turning to food all the time that's going to take away so much of that extra eating you're going to feel more in control around food and feel better that way amazing we'll definitely go into that a little deeper um later Um, is overeating and emotionally eating, does it go hand in hand? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. People that over, that emotionally eat usually overeat as well. Yeah. Cause they're just, when you're emotionally eating, you're really eating when you're not physically hungry, your body isn't asking for nutrition and it's really just, I always say extra eating or overeating, you know, it's just eating that your, your body isn't really asking for in that moment. Oh, got it. So overeating isn't necessarily you just stuffing yourself to the brim. It is just uh, eating foods that your body isn't asking for. Yeah, I know. It's kind of such a vague term. I I struggle (laughs) with how to like talk about it over the internet because everyone views it so differently. But yeah, I just like to say, if you're overeating, you're essentially just eating more than your body needs. Whether that's in one meal or just spaced out during the day. Well, that's good to know. Also, for the sake of this relation, this uh, interview. How often would you say that binge eating is too often and people would need to seek professional help? For binging, I would say any time is too often. Like there again, this is this is so hard because I feel like there's there's a spectrum and 
everyone's perception is different. But if a binge where you feel out of control, like you almost dissociate from the eating experience, like a lot of women say, I was like an out of body experience. I don't even really remember eating and how much I ate or tasting the food. That is always kind of a red flag. Again, and I don't want to like freak anyone out, but that's really, there's just something going on, underlying things that are causing that to happen. Um, Intentional overeating is so different. You know, if you're at like a, your favorite restaurant and you've reached your fullness, but you're like, this food is just so good. I'm going to choose to eat more, even though I'm already full. That's so different than, than that kind of, you don't feel in control about why you're making eating decisions or you don't feel in control with stopping. You just eat till the food is gone. That's your only kind of off switch. Those are the feelings of that we want to that we want to repair and heal, so that we can feel good around food. Okay, so if you're occasionally at your favorite restaurant and absolutely eating everything that's in front of you, you're fine. Yeah, it's always about the intention. Yeah, it's always about the intention. I always say, you know, because okay. you can intentionally overeat, you can intentionally emotionally eat too, because sometimes we might choose to do that in that moment. It's just when we do it, when we do these things all the time and we can't, <clears throat> we feel like we can't stop them. And we also feel like we don't know why they're happening. Those are the times that we're like, hey, let's take a step back and figure out what's going on here. You just mentioned midnight snacking as well. I remember years ago waking up in the middle of the night. I was so hungry and I went upstairs to have a spoonful of Nutella. Mm-hmm. And the next night I wasn't hungry at all, but I woke up at the exact same time craving Nutella, went upstairs, had another spoonful. And this, this happened like four nights in a row. And then at one point I was like, hold on. <laughs> I should not make this a habit. And it probably took the same amount of nights, like four or five, to get out of that habit again. I kept waking up at the same time, which was the most bizarre experience. And I'm really happy I caught it on time. But there's, it's real. Midnight snacking is so real for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. How can we stop that? That's a great question. It's it's so interesting how quickly those like habits slash neural pathways develop, hey? And so you did the right thing and like bringing awareness. That's always my number one thing for people. We, we live on autopilot. So much of this happens in our subconscious. I always point to like the back of my head is like, you know, subconscious brain that we don't know why they're happening. And so we really need to like shift out of that into like our, our thinking, our, you know, adult frontal brain being like, hey, what is happening and bring awareness to it. So I always get my clients to start off just that, like basically being like create pauses in your day when you're when you are triggered to eat, stop, just create a stop and be like, why do I want to eat right now? And ask yourself, you know, is it actual hunger? Is it emotion? Is it, you know, X, Y, Z and just kind of figure out what's going on. And then we really just need to break that connection and figure out what our body is actually asking for. Because the thing with emotional eating is like, let's say we're bored and we're eating because we're bored. So we go into the, you know, we go into the kitchen and we grab a snack and then we eat it. And while we're eating it, we don't feel bored anymore. But the minute we stop, that emotion is still there. And so our body isn't really asking for food in that time. And we, we really need to do some exploring and figuring out what our body needs. But that pause is what's so important um, binge eating often happens because we tell ourselves we have mental and physical restriction around food that we can't have food. And then we have this like inner toddler that likes to rebel and be like, screw you, I can eat that if I want. And then because we're, again, eating automatically, we're not 
mindful, we're distracted, we're dissociating, we're doing all these things, we feel guilt and shame, then we tend to just eat it till the food's gone. We don't really, we're not in control in that eating situation. So it's really about, there, there's so much to it, but really trying to, you know, unlearn all those diet rules that are forcing that hyper desire around whatever foods we're, we're binging on. And then eating distraction-free, eating mindfully, honoring our our fullness cues and having a hundred, giving ourselves a hundred percent permission to eat food is key. And even in emotional eating, because if we're saying why well, shouldn't be eating this, then we keep going back for more. But if we tell ourselves the simple switch of, I can eat these foods whenever I want, there's no need for me to overeat these and truly believe it. Like, just like all the vegetables and fruit in your fridge, you know, like, you don't feel addicted to carrots because you know you can eat them whenever you want. We need to have that same relationship with Oreos and Nutella and and things like that so that so that they come down the like not so exciting and they become very normal foods. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. I really had to giggle when you said that there's this toddler in your brain. Um, I just sometimes feel the same way. I'm like, I'm an adult. I can eat whatever I want. No one's going to tell me not to. And I have the money to buy all, all of these snacks. So let's just do it. <laughs> How can we heal the relationship with foods? Like what kind of foods can help us? All foods. <laughs> all being, honestly, just being allowed to eat all foods, like unconditional permission, not there's no caveats and then actually practicing that. So, um, you know, buying foods and it sounds so backwards when I say this, people are always like, that doesn't make sense. But buying foods that you would normally emotionally eat or binge eat or overeat that you feel out of control with and keeping them in your house all the time, it's called habituation. But when you do eat them, eat like eat distracted free, sit at a table, not have they don't have all those negative thoughts really enjoy every single bite of that food and the more you can practice having those foods around then we that again that desire comes down they're not calling our names from the the freezer or the cabinet and they just become normal foods like if we think about people in our life who are intuitive eaters most people usually know at least one person who can keep all the food in their house you know they have the candy dish on the counter and they don't Eat, eat it 
you know, just sitting there. And they're like, how do you do that? It's because it's there all the time, right? It's lost its appeal. These foods aren't, don't have any control and power over them. What if you're a parent that overeats and wants to make sure that you don't like pass that down, that your child doesn't learn from that? It's really about, because kids are, kids are like little sponges and they really do see and hear. And it's funny that you say, ask that question because I have on Facebook some reels or yeah, I think they call it reels on Facebook going viral right now. Like they're in the millions of 3 million views of me doing like point of views of parents passively passing on dieting traits and things like that onto their kids because just from how their self-talk or like how they, like one example is, the, the kid says like, mom, why are you going for a run? And the mom's like, oh, so, you know, so I can earn dessert later, you know, or mom, why aren't you eating pasta with us? So mommy can't even look at carbs, you know, like those type of things. That's what kids notice and see. And so healing your relationship with food is so critical as a parent so that we can just like model a healthy relationship with food without having these comments and I know it, it triggers a lot of parents because they're like but I'm teach I'm trying to teach them healthy skills but with kids it's so tricky because if we label things like healthy or unhealthy or good or bad kids take things at face value and so they will think then if I eat that food that my mom said was bad I'm a bad person but I like you know if it's an Oreo I like Oreos so they get in this it really they really take it to heart and it can trigger a lot of the stuff that we struggle with as adults with food and it starts at a young age so um just healing your really your your relationship with food and then really keeping food neutral in your house you know it's as parents it's our it's our job to offer decide when we're going to offer food and what foods to offer and then our kids really get to decide how much they're going to eat of those foods so we want to just be offering variety of foods, balanced meals, but having treat foods and those foods often so that they can learn to regulate themselves and so that they don't get this hyper desire again, just like we have as adults for the food and it becomes very normal and they can feel in control. How do you feel about um, parents telling their kids to finish their plates then? Oh, that's so bad. <laughs> being straight up, not, not even <laughs> being like neutral. <laughs> Yeah. And that's actually one of the things. It's not so much emotional eating, but a lot of people come to me and they're like, I just eat till the food is gone because they've been told, you know, yeah, I can't leave the table until you finish your plate. So it becomes that habit, that learned behavior. They've also on top of that been told like, you can't have dessert till you eat all your food. So now they're taught to eat past their fullness in order to earn dessert, which is a whole like other ball game of not great things. And then the third thing is they're told, they're starving children in other parts of the world. And so then we get this like guilt, you know, guilt around. So it's multifold. That whole finishing your plate is, is yeah, not great. And I know it comes from love. And so I'm not trying to like shame anyone. It comes from love. We just want our kids to eat and grow and be healthy. But there's, a, you know, it's not really creating a good overall habit or learned behavior around food. I think it's one of those things that we really grew up with as well. We always had yes. to finish our plates, but it's probably something we need to leave in our generation and not pass it down. Um, you mentioned the labeling of foods and preparing for this conversation. I realized that I did that so strongly for so long of my life. As a teenager, I became a model and I did that for nine years. So when you're a model everything you eat, you're like weighing it up. Is this worth it? Is it not? I need to work out tomorrow. Or like, there are so many 
associations you have when it's your job and it's your livelihood. And yeah. interestingly, this is a side note, but for some reason, when you're a professional athlete, it is completely accepted that you work out all the time and that you eat very healthily. But when you're a model, people look it down on it and find it a dramatic thing, which I think yeah. is very unfair. But <laughs> that being said, <laughs> it took me, I was 23 when I quit modeling and the next day after me and my agency um, separated, um, I went to the fish and chips shop and I just had the best time eating those chips, realizing that I don't need to worry about it. And it still took me years to get into a healthy relationship with food. And I can say that I have a healthy relationship with food now, but I did start training, working out with a personal trainer um, a lot recently. And me and my partner were saying, let's weigh ourselves at very regular intervals. And I immediately slid off or I was like, it just was constantly in my brain. It's like, okay, Friday, we're weighing again. And then like, it just became such a big thing in my brain. I did it once and I texted the trainer. I was like, actually, this is really bad for my mental health. I don't think I can do this. I'm not going to be weighing myself maybe at all, but especially not regularly because this is not good. So the whole yeah. labeling of food, bad, good, and everything that I did that for so long of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm so, that's so awesome that you realize that weighing is not good for you mentally. Yeah. So, and stood Oof. up for yourself. Yeah. I, I'm like, yes, throw away that scale. It really doesn't mean anything, especially, yes. you know, like it doesn't tell you anything about your health and does just get into your head. And, and same yeah. with the food rules and being a model man, you had it the hardest. Um, it really, I spend when I help women heal their relationship with food from dieting, the first two weeks is all about those food rules and those diet thoughts and those dieting tools and getting rid of them and unlearning them and reprogramming the brain. Cause, cause that really is the driver for so much overeating, extra eating, and then feeling out of control around foods because our brain just doesn't like that feeling of deprivation like some women even just yeah. the thought of going on a diet will trigger a binging or an overeating episode because it's like last supper mentality eating we think we're never going to eat that yeah. food again you know like all of these things this all or nothing thinking with food like it really does affect our relationship with food and when we can just like neutralize those it's amazing how in control we feel around food and it feels like the opposite of what we're what we think is going to happen. We think if we tell ourselves we can eat all foods and that, you know, there's no bad and good foods, all foods can fit that we're just going to lose control, but it's actually the food rules that cause us to lose control. So yeah, it's such an interesting, thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, pleasure. It was just <laughs> so fascinating that, um, like working on a healthy relationship with food for years and years at that point, like eight years, to then in two weeks be like, oh, it's such a slippery slope. You just need to keep oh, working yeah. at it. Yes. I think that'll be really helpful for other women to just hear like, it doesn't matter. We're not prone to never having those moments just because of the world we live in and, you know, social media and diet culture that we always have to work on just like continuing to, to heal that relationship with food and our bodies, essentially. When this would happen, also, for example, with your clients, like they're doing really well, but then they're having a binge eat and they feel shame. 
Yeah. How do you deal with that best? I, uh, I'm like all the time to my clients, you have to talk to yourself like your best friend. Like if your best friend came over and said, oh my God, I binged last night. I'm a horrible person. You wouldn't be like, yeah, yeah, you are. I can't believe like You know, like you would never. So we really, shame and guilt don't do anything for us. They only make us worse. And with emotional eating, they just mostly trigger more eating. So be kind to yourself and and look back. Look back and ask yourself neutrally, what led to this moment? You know, I kind of touched base on this earlier, but we really, those moments, we want to look at them as like failing forward. You know, we, 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 that happened so we can learn what we really need to do in those moments. And if you just look back and you're like, oh man, I skipped breakfast that day. And then I had a really stressful day at work. And then, you know, my husband said something crappy to me. And so then I just like went off the rails with food and you can be like, okay, so I know that I need to eat regularly. And when someone triggers me, maybe next time I'm going to, you know, call a friend and just talk to them or write in a journal, or I'm going to go outside for a walk and get some fresh air. Um, and so that hopefully next time you feel that trigger again, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to try these things. But I do always say that you still have to give yourself 100% permission to eat because if we if we look back and we're like, I'm not going to do that next time, we get into that deprivation mode again and that inner toddler will rebel. So we, the conversations you want to have with ourselves in that moment is, I know I want food, but I'm just going to try, you know, I'm going to go out for a walk for five minutes. And if I come back in and I still want to eat, then I'll give myself permission to eat. When we do that, then we get out that like deprivation, inner toddler rebellion going on. And if we if we do still want to eat when we come back in, we're not eating automatically. We can make intent make it intentional. We can mm. sit down. We can you know have a more enjoyable experience. And then it's still important to do it super mindfully, sitting down, enjoying it. Yeah. Maybe make a nice cup of tea for yourself with it, and just really indulge and and enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, enjoy it, and mm. then enjoy every single bite, and then you'll feel more in control. So that when you do reach a point of like, okay, now I'm good, you can stop. Again, reminding yourself, I can have these chocolates, you know, for using chocolate, I can have these chocolates again whenever I want. I had some, I feel better, it, you know, it was what I needed. Now I'm going to move on from this situation without any guilt or shame. Then it's a much more pleasurable in control experience. The people that you see and seek help, um, what does a program look like? And do you usually work parallel with a psychologist as well? Or can most people work with just a nutritionist? you know, most of eating is based on our thoughts, emotions, like the psychology of eating versus the food itself. I work with them in a way that really changes their relationship, the psychology, their relationship with food. Um, but, you know, if they are in looking for someone in their city, then finding a psychologist that is uh, can be really helpful if they have knowledge of intuitive eating and food freedom and the relationship with food can be a really helpful place to go. Um, and then also, like, if you wanted to see a dietitian or a nutritionist, finding one that is also based in that is important because a lot, like, my training to be a dietitian was very diet culture-y. I came out of university putting people on meal plans, you know, telling them not to eat too much carbs, like, all of the horrible things. And so if they're not well-versed in intuitive eating and food freedom, then it's not going to be very helpful. I guess just for for overeating and to kind of stop it, what I've learned is um, eat what you want, eat what your yeah. body is craving, but make sure that you're not eating it out of boredom. 
Yeah. Make sure that you really enjoy it when you're like, sit down, have a nice drink with it, make a cup of tea or whatever, and just really savor the moment of you eating your snack or whatever you're eating. Anything you're eating. And try to learn to have snacks in the house to kind of, uh, D like stop making it a habit of finishing that jar, but kind of making it, uh, a little bit less enticing because it's just in front of you all the time. And you're therefore you're less prone to eating it straight away and finishing the whole bowl or, eat, or finishing the whole bag. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're taking away the novelty of it. Essentially. We call it habituation. You still enjoy it, but you just don't, you don't binge and you don't overeat it because you know that it doesn't feel good and you can have it again whenever you want. Because you're an adult and you have yes. your own money and you can buy things. Yeah. And you don't have a parent telling you you can't have it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> My final question uh, to every expert at the end of every episode is if you could give our listeners one takeaway from this episode, what would it be? You don't have to feel like you can't, like you're, that food is so hard. Like eating and food can be easy and it's just really how we've been programmed and our conditioning and our dieting history that has gotten us to this point. And you can heal from that. And you can be the person that can have your f- cupboards filled with food and not want it, like with treats and stuff and not want to eat it all. You're not broken. You know, lots of women always say, well, I'm going to be that one person that, that doesn't work. And I have yet to meet that one person because we're all born with these skills. We've just, like we talked about earlier, been deconditioned from them and taught to not trust our bodies and all of these things and you can get back there and have an amazing relationship with food and and not feel like food controls you anymore I love that takeaway I actually have one more question um if you have someone near you like maybe a flatmate partner parent sibling um that has issues with overeating that's that seems to do it a lot and seems to emotionally eat how can you help best oh that's a good question it's hard because comments can trigger trigger it you know even if we're thinking we're being helpful like are you sure you want to eat that it can actually be really harmful and triggering to that person so you know maybe even just asking like have you ever heard of intuitive eating or food freedom or just like encouraging them to maybe expand upon the idea because a lot of people who struggle with those think that they need to restrict I need to restrict in order to stop it but the restriction is what's causing it and so just I don't know maybe asking I heard about this you know I heard about someone who stopped their binge eating by actually you know not dieting and not restricting and and trying this intuitive eating thing have you heard about that and maybe just opening conversations up around that um I do have like a I do have a free master class I don't know if you would want to put it in your show notes um it's yeah definitely that is on binge eating and stopping binge eating I have a binge eating one and emotional eating ones that I don't know. Again, that can be really triggering. Like I do have a lot of clients who got like diet books for Christmas and were like, that was the beginning of the end, you know, and things like that. And so it is, it is, it is a hard thing. And sometimes people just have to really find it on their own in the right time of their lives. And so, yeah, I know that's not a great answer, but again, it's tricky. Yeah, no, but I do. Yeah. It is so tricky because these people often already feel a lot of shame with it. And if someone near them is bringing it up, this, the shame is just going to get worse. And like, it's a spiral. 
Yes. So tread lightly. Tread lightly. Look at your website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Come at it with compassion and tread lightly and compassion. Yeah. Those are two yeah. good, good tricks. Tell us where we can find you. The best place to probably go is my Instagram. It's where I'm most active, which is Nikki, N-I-C-K-Y underscore N-S nutrition. Um, and I do I do have a website. It doesn't have all the classes on there. So if, if you go to Instagram and then message me, then I can send you the links. But um, it's www.nsnutrition.co, just C-O. And you have a podcast. Yes, yes. Our podcast is called The Nutrition Spot. A lot of your subjects are very sp like specialized on one topic that you go into quite deeply for maybe yes. half an hour per episode, which is really interesting. Yes. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I learned so much. And I actually, interestingly, maybe realize now that I do have some habits to kick around this still. Um, but I'm actually, this conversation also made me um, feel confident in being able to do that. Awesome. Yeah, I love that. So that's I hope really so. nice. Thank awesome. you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to having you again. Please, please leave a five-star review. This is so important for podcasts to grow. You can follow us on at 30 and a bit on Instagram and TikTok, and I'll see you next week. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.